I want to uh, start with prayer today. Um, we're in a sermon series on prayer. And join me in this prayer. I want to walk us through. It says, be still and know that he is God. Be still and know he is. Be still and know he. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Lord, we open your word today, longing to hear your voice. All week long, we've heard voices that try to make sense of the world. But today, Lord, we return to your word. We want to reorient our lives around your truth. We want to become aware of the reality of your kingdom. We want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So speak to us today, Lord. Meet us in this place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want to open up to Luke chapter 5, we're going to start today with the story of Jesus. And I'll just read, and uh, we'll go from there. Starting in verse 12, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. So if you know anything about leprosy, it's not a good thing. This man was unclean. If you know what leprosy was in the first century, he basically would have been one of the walking dead. This would have been a stressful scene for Jesus and the disciples. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. This is a prayer, by the way. This is a prayer of desperation. He has taken this posture where he has fallen on his face and he's cried out to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, which is not something you're supposed to do with people with leprosy. I am willing, Jesus said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus gives him instructions, and he says, before you do anything else, drop everything and go and pray. Go through this ritual and pray as a testimony of what God has done. Then verse 15, it says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There's this miracle. People hear about it. More crowds come, like, People are interested in what Jesus is doing, and the scene has to be just wild. 
but he retreats from all of that and he goes to lonely places as he often does and he prays. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prays. So this is a wild story about healing and there's three prayers that emerge from this story. The first one is this prayer of desperation, the posture of falling face down in front of Jesus, desperate, I have nothing, I need help. The second prayer is a ritual where he goes into the temple, he goes through the ritual cleaning, and it's actually a witness of what God has done. And the third prayer that we see in the story is a prayer of solitude where Jesus retreats to lonely places. He leaves, he goes to pray. We've been uh, talking about the last week, this new series on prayer, a new series for the new year where we want to just reorient our lives around prayer to go deeper in our relationship with God. And why do we do that? Because we see that Jesus prays. And you, you follow the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Prayer was essential to everything he did. Before a big event, after a big event, he's constantly in prayer. And then two, he instructs us to pray. And so much of his teaching is him saying that we should abide in Christ, that we should abide in the vine, we should abide in the presence of God, we should pray. So last week we talked about setting aside a spot for this year to say this is where I'm going to pray. And we talked about being open to what God has for us. That, that we would come and say, Lord, teach us to pray, just like the disciples, to have a teachable spirit. For the next four weeks we're gonna look at types of prayer. And it's gonna follow this simple outline. It's an acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. Easy to remember. But we're talking about the P today, which is to pause, to be still before God. Why is that important, to stop and be still? My dad is a pastor, and I remember as I became a pastor, um, he had a, a great library of books in his office, and I didn't have any coming out of college. And so I would go into his office and steal books, and some of them I still have. Um, but I remember coming across one book that really caught my attention, and it was a book about prayer. And it, it was like a book I had never heard of before, but I recognized the author because the author was my dad's mentor. He was this man named Maurice Burquest, um, who was a pastor back in like the 60s and 70s. Everyone called him Burke, and he was just a, an interesting guy, very quirky and interesting, but my dad loved him, and he mentored him, and I was like, ah, oh, this, this guy had a huge influence on my dad's life. I want to read uh, the book that he wrote, and so I was reading it, and Reese Burkwist tells this story, and he's talking about prayer, but he was telling the story that he was in Florida, and he was on a road trip, and as he was driving, uh, he had in the car with him an electrical engineer, and as they were driving, making small talk, as, as you do, uh, on a road trip back before cell phones, you know, maybe playing the alphabet game or whatever, but uh, they, he noticed that power lines had been knocked down and were on the road, and realized, you know, that's dangerous, and he started talking to the electrical engineer about it, and he was like, yeah, you know, it's crazy, the amount of power that is just hovering over our heads on the highways that we just don't pay attention to. That power, like when, it, when it, like the power lines break, it's dangerous. Like that kind of power can kill you. That kind of power can, can you know, power a whole city. And we don't even think about it. We're just constantly driving by the power lines and it's just there. And then the power lines fall and all of a sudden there's this reminder 
all of this power is right next to us. And the, the engineer told him something that he, he said he'll never forget. He said, you know, it's, it's interesting if you, these power lines, you can take, you could pull a copper wire parallel to the power lines. And the power would transfer down to that copper wire even though the copper wire isn't touching the power lines. And Burke thought, how does that work? And he said, this is the, the way that these, these things are. If the, if, the power, if the copper wire was perpendicular, nothing would happen. But if you, if you placed it parallel, right under those power lines, power would transfer down and, and you, could, you could power something without a generator, with it, without anything. It, it doesn't even have to be touching. I remember reading that story and I went to my dad and I was like, is that true? Like, that's how, like, like, energy works and power gets transferred? And he's like, well, he's like, when I was in college, I'm pretty sure one of my roommates was stealing power from the city using that same kind of setup. So, yeah, something like that is true. And the, I found that so interesting. What Burke says is, he, he started to think of this as, like, the parallel principle. Like, to put a, a copper wire parallel underneath a power line and have energy be transferred down. Because there's a lot of power there that you can't reach up and touch with your bare hands. And, and, and you can't access it, but there is a way to access it through something that is parallel, a parallel principle. And he says it, it's so interesting because it's almost kind of like how prayer works. We have this power. The, 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 the creator of the universe is, is above us. And we can't necessarily like reach up and, and touch him with our bare hands, and yet he reaches down. And we have access to him. And like prayer isn't us trying to like uh, work against the reluctance of God on our behalf. What prayer is, is us getting parallel to him so that that power can be transferred down. Where we are in line with him, our minds are parallel lined up with him, our hearts are parallel and lined up with him. And in this story with this leper, you see that. He falls down on his face and says, Lord, if you are willing Make me clean, heal me. And Jesus reaches down and touches him. Jesus reaches down and touches him. When he falls on his face, he's parallel. He's aligning his heart and his mind with God. You see, when we be still, being still, being still is uh, a way for us to align our hearts and minds with God. Being still is, is how we slow down and we allow ourselves to become parable, parallel with God's will, to be in line with God's will. For this man, it was falling on his face. This last week in our men's breakfast, we were talking about being still and encountering the presence of God. And it was, there were a couple just really powerful personal stories that were shared. And, and, and those encounters that were shared at our men's breakfast come from men who have gone through these moments where, where they had nothing else they could do but, but cry out and God, for God desperately. And they would go through a situation or a trial or a challenge, and it was then that they would turn and stop and, and lay on their face before God to become parallel with him, and God would meet them. And it was story after story, these powerful experiences, because when we come to the end of ourselves, that is when God's work begins, when we stop when we fall at his face, when we become parallel with his will and say, there's nowhere else I can go, there's nowhere else I can turn. And sometimes life situations cause us to stop, to pause, to do that. 
Here's also what I would say about prayer. Is that it's, prayer isn't just something that's transactional. We're not just getting something from God, it's relational. And when we pause, when we become parallel with his will, with his heart, with his mind, something powerful happens. And I don't know how to explain it because prayer isn't rational, but it's transformational. And as we be still, we are aligning our hearts and our minds with the will of God. The second thing is that we be still, being still is, it could be a ritual in our life. And you think, well, that doesn't sound very powerful at all. Like, that sounds boring. That sounds religious. Yet in this story, the leper, Jesus tells him to go and do the ritualistic cleansing, to go and do what Moses, the, what the, 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 the cleansing that Moses had required. But what happens there is it becomes a witness to the priest. Here's what happened to me. And so there's times where we be still and we do things ritualistically, like stopping every single day to pray, coming to a place of, of worship and prayer at church, because it is a witness and a testament to what God has done in our lives. Being still can be a ritual that is a witness to others. And then also being still, it requires silence and solitude. The prayer that we opened up with, be still and know that he is God. To stop, to slow down. To retreat to a lonely place and pray. To be silent. In our men's breakfast, taking a lot of content from men's breakfast this week, but uh, Bruce reminded me of this story uh, in 1 Kings. And it's a story of, of, of silence and solitude and, and encountering God in a way that you wouldn't expect. And it's about a prophet named Elijah. You might be familiar with this story. Elijah has just done one of the most amazing things in his life, one of the, like, the, the, the peak moments of his life as he has this showdown with the prophets of Baal. And then after that, he has this crash where he just runs away and he runs up onto a mountain and he's all by himself. And even though this amazing thing has happened, he's just feeling lousy and he's trying to figure out where God is in all of this. And finally, the Lord meets him on this mountain in 1 Kings 19, verse 11, it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, if you are Elijah and you know your Old Testament, you know Moses and Moses' story, when the presence of God passes by, Moses has to like hide. Like, I can't imagine like what Elijah's thinking. If we were told that the presence of God was about to pass, it would be incredibly exciting. We would be uh, the, the adrenaline from that, trying to figure out what in the world, what is this going to look like? And then it tells us this, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. In the midst of that spectacle, in the midst of mountains being torn apart, the noise that would come from that, he's not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some translations say a breath. Some say a silence. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. 
and then the Lord speaks to him. It's in this still, small voice, this gentle whisper, not in the noise, not in the act of God, the earthquake, not in the power of the fire. God meets him in that still, small voice. And it's there that Elijah hears the voice of the Lord in the silence. Pete Gregg, who wrote that book, How to Pray, talks about being still, how it requires silence and solitude because of how our soul is wired. And he says this, the human soul, our spirit, this thing that is inside of us, the human soul is wild and shy. The psalmist compares it to a deer panting for streams of water. Celtic folklore depicted it as a stag, noble and coy, the soul. It hides away from the noise of life, refusing to come on command like some slobbering domesticated pet. But when we are still, it emerges, inquisitive and quiveringly alive. I love that idea about our soul. P. Greg goes on to say, in prayer, as in life, there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. And if we want to get better at hearing the one who speaks in a still, small voice, we must befriend silence. The best way to start praying, therefore, is actually to stop praying, to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list and surrender your own agenda, your personal agenda. Stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. We pause. Prayer starts with us being still because that is where God is. Not in the noise, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, not in all of the notifications that we have throughout the week. He's there in the stillness. He's there in the silence. He's there in the solitude. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So prayer as silence is something that is, it's countercultural because we have no time for silence in our schedule. And it's also counterformational because we just receive messages all day long, all week long about who we're supposed to be and how the world is supposed to be. But to stop, to slow down, to be silent before God and pray. A couple of reflection questions. Last week we had two challenges. Here's two questions for you for this year. Does my schedule in my time, in my life, look like that of a person who wants to hear the voice of God? It's my schedule, my time, my life. Look like that of a person who wants to hear the voice of God. Something to wrestle with. Second question. Do I really believe God's voice is more interesting than the voices around me? the creator of the universe. Do I really believe it's more interesting than the voices around me? 
I want to close our time with some silence. This might feel awkward if you don't like to sit in silence. But here's what I want to do. Allow you to just close your eyes, to breathe, to slow your breathing. To hear these voices of scripture, these words. Deuteronomy 27.9. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, be silent, Israel, and listen. Psalm 4, 4. Search your hearts and be silent. Habakkuk 2, verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Matthew 11, hear these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We're gonna end our time today with communion and worship. And want to invite you to take this time to just continue to be still. To hear these words of institution. To hear the words of this song of prayer and reflection. When you're ready, you can move about the room. We'll take communion with intinction today. But Chris, if you would like to come up and lead us through that. What a great message to inspire us to get parallel before God. And um, just like the leper meeting his maker and, and um, copper wire, getting energy from the main line. Let us do so now. As we enter into a time of communion, we're going to um, pause and reflect that Jesus gave his life for us. That on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it for us. A symbol of his life pouring out for us. Um, and then he took a cup and he um, shared it to drink. And he said, this is my blood 
for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and he said, drink and do this in remembrance of me. So we come together as followers of Jesus to remember that he gave for us.